Welcome to Not Enough Champagne, a podcast that hopes you Americans have a plan to vote. My name is Corey Hazelhurst and my partner in propaganda is Steve Haynes. Hey, Corey. Not bad in the first take. Shame you couldn't get it. Yes, first, first take. Also with us again is our friend in New York, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Corey and Steve. Happy uh, start of our early voting in the in the uh, United States, I have not voted yet. Please make sure you do vote. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, you probably will have done, thanks to the magic of time. As Patrick has alluded to, voting has begun in the US presidential election. It's begun in some states, it's not started in others. We're going to have a chat about why voter turnout's quite low and about the different rules that different states have um, in another episode of We Can't Believe That Happens in America. about US presidential election turnout is how low it is. So in 2016, um, according to Wikipedia anyway, um, 55.5% turnout of eligible voters in America, which is certainly from a UK point of view, it feels staggeringly low. So I think in our lifetimes, the the lowest turnout in a general election was 2001 and 59% which I think New Labour at the time tried to spin of, well, the voters were so happy with things that they couldn't be bothered to come out and vote for us. This is a bit of a broad question, but why is it really that low? Oh, that's a large question. But start out, just an example. I haven't voted yet because I actually am looking out the window and I can see my polling place from my house. So uh, I can go at six in the morning and vote election day when there's not a lot of people there. But New York, my wonderful state of New York, is not is very restrictive in its voting rules. Why is it so low? It's a second order need. People don't find, and this maybe this election will be the be the changing point in there, but most people forget that voting day exists, that nothing's going to change, that you know they're all, they're all cooks and liars, are all the same. For most Americans, it's just not a first order concern. My sister usually doesn't vote because she gets back from the city really late and polls are only open till 9 p.m. and she gets home around 7. There's a lot of other people that other things in our lives are just more important than voting. That's the good answer. Also, part of the answer is voter suppression. A certain party in this country likes to make voting as restrictive as possible hard to do. It depends on the state you're in, but everybody has different reason. But voter, you know, voter registration is required. You know, if we really wanted to make voting as easy as possible, we wouldn't require voter registration. Everybody would just be automatically became a voter at age 18, similar to what happens in, I want to say, Australia does that. I know in Australia, uh, they have compulsory voting. That's my fun Australian fact. Oh, and they also use AV. Oh, yeah. So then, yeah, it would be uh, a compulsory voter registration or automatic to make that happen. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's already, you know, the use of voter registration, uh, which can differ from state to state, it is also making voting restricting already on top of like, I don't know, people that are in prison yet are technically considered a voter but don't have the right to vote in a lot of places will also drop your, you know, what are very large prison population in the country will drop your 
your total number of voters available too. But it's just not a turning out voters is not universal that every party wants to do that because Republicans in particular like lower turnout because their voters, which are much more stable or a much more static group uh, of where they live and how they vote and and is very, very different than the Democrats, which has a lot of dynamic, a d- dynamic voter coalition coalition where people may not be living in the same place that they were at the last election. Generally, I think that I think the other reason that you could probably put to why it's low is people just don't think anything's going to happen if they vote for, you know, they voted for a Democrat first time. He didn't do anything. Vote Republican. They didn't do anything. So I wonder if, if our enshrined two-party system has decreased our turnout by a lot that they feel that nothing actually changes. There's a couple of things things aren't there one of them is that there's massive differentials in turnout between different groups Um, and that's not just true in america that's true in lots of different countries so there was some research i saw which said actually if you look at specifically presidential elections actually turnout for them isn't usually great so the um the figure they had is that on average presidential elections receive a turnout of 59.8 percent which looked in that context actually the relatively low turnout in America doesn't seem so bad. But I suppose the other thing is that this is true in America, it's in different countries as well, that there's massive who you are affects whether or not you're likely to turn out to vote. So I think in America, you've got the, the three things are education, age and income. Those who have high levels of education are more likely to vote. Those who are older are more likely to vote. And actually richer voters are more likely to vote than younger voters, which I'm guessing kind of feeds into what you're talking about. But if those who've got a stake in the system are coming out, but actually a lot don't feel they have a stake in the system and aren't protesting, but they're staying at home. Yeah, makes complete sense to me. But I also think another thing comes down to a lot of it is, is that the thing that will that dictates voter turnout is economic stability that they feel in their lives. So an example being of like, New York has started early voting. We haven't started it actually, but this will be the first presidential election where there will be not just election day for you to vote. Uh, So you'll be able to go to, depending on where you are in the county, there'll be places that you could go vote prior to November 3rd this year, while putting it on some days on the Saturdays and some weekend days and is trying to allow the people that that are like shift workers or people that work at the overnights or during the week might be able to take advantage of it, uh, make take advantage of these other days to vote to give it more options because uh, it is not a paid holiday. It is not a day off and there's no requirements for companies to give you time off to vote. But I think a lot of it turns out to your economic stability. And some people that are working, you know, long hours in the city and then coming back up to where I live, which is, you know, north of the city, they might be just too tired. It's just it, the, the way that, you know, the, the availability for voting for them just lowers the chance that turnout is relative to also what state you're from. Especially in presidential, there isn't a there isn't really incredibly a huge desire in New York for Republicans to come out and vote because they know the state's going to vote Democratic in the Electoral College. Same thing in Mississippi and some of these other solidly red state. The feeling of uh, that you vote doesn't actually mean anything is definitely probably a strong indicator of whether they vote. It'd be interesting to know. So uh, I think I've discussed this on previous episodes, but there's a, a U.S. election project, which is run by a guy, which a professor out of University of Florida has been doing the early uh, vote statistics. And right now we sit at 15.9% of total votes counted in the 2016, of the 2016 general election have, have voted. And that number equals out to 22 million people have voted already, which is 
unbelievably above where it was in the same time 2016 and huge numbers of Texas and Texas has uh, 2.4 million people have voted already and they only opened early voting three days ago. I would be interested to see that if this kind of showing the barriers of voting will become a bigger thing for most people that that would there will be see some changes to how we vote that makes it easier like vote by mail on, on a more wider scale do you guys want to talk about all the different different ways that people can vote or the limits to people's votings yes i find it really odd that it changes from state to state i know that you're a federal system and all that but i find it really confusing that every state has different arrangements for how they vote so the wonderful constitution has decided that this is not a delegated power of the federal government and is a reserve power of the states so that allows each of the 50 states and territories depending on what election is and where you, what territory you live in have dictate the uh, that elections are run by the state. So you then tend to find out that every state has a slightly different rule. So you have my wonderful state of New York, which has no has fault absentee. So you have to submit a applicate an absentee application to say why you can't vote at your polling place on election day. They sent everybody out for the pr- presidential primary sent out to every registered voter if they wanted to do absentee ballots for the presidential election, the presidential primary, and but they told you that you have to select per, temporary illness as your reason that uh, you can't vote. So like they didn't even change the actual law so that they could put like pandemic related so you to click it or, or to see so you could select it. So you had to select that and it's only valid for that one. And uh, the wonderful New York does not even open up absentee ballots so seven days after the election. Uh, so they actually won't even open to count them, which they count them by hand after seven days later. So if you don't do it that way, you have to vote on election day. They now have allowed early voting and I think 10 day, ten or 14 days prior to the election in some other places. So we're getting a little bit better. But on the other totally end of the spectrum is Oregon, Washington, Colorado, and Hawaii, I believe, are all vote by mail, which is awesome. Uh, having lived in Oregon, Basically, they mail you a voter pamphlet out about three weeks before the election, and then about a week later, you get a ballot, and you have two and a half weeks to fill it out and either drop it off at a drop-off box, which are found, unlike Texas, throughout the county in multiple numbers. Drop-off boxes are limited to one in in Texas, apparently, Uh, and you have two and a half weeks, and Oregon has like an 82% turnout. Hang on. One drop-off box in Texas? Mm Mm-hmm. One in the whole Mm -hmm. of the state or one per county? One per county. Right. Okay. How big is a county? So, because Texas is pretty big, isn't it? It's probably a little bit bigger than Birmingham, even. An example that I've heard one is that Harris County, which is uh, Houston, it has 4.6 million people that live in that county, in Harris County. It's the city of Houston and its suburbs. One, one drop off for 4.6 million voters. I hope it's very big box. Yeah. That that's the other thing about voting is that in some places a lot of this stuff is dependent on is depending on secretary of states which if which are selected position that could change the laws based on how they deem fit of how they fund things so in a lot of states republican secretary of states have used their power and how they fund their government to make it difficult to do outreach to to certain groups of ones. And so each state is different. And then there's a lot of in the middle areas, a lot of states are embracing early voting, which uh, in Texas, they have a bunch of early voting 
they have early voting and they have absentees, but absentees do have to have some kind of what they refer to as fault. So it's not like universal vote by mail or no fault absentee ballots, which is another term that they use for it. Florida, for example, has no fault absentee ballots. So a ton of people in Florida vote by mail and don't vote, but they also have early voting on top of that. It, it yeah. sounds like there was a bit of a shift in the UK as well over the last 10 years where uh, I think the only way of getting a postal vote or, if, or a proxy vote was you had to have a specific reason or you were you literally were out of the country or being kidnapped by mice or something. Whereas it, I think then shifted to now it's it's just a thing you can do. And I think it, it's, it's become quite popular. Um, and I think will only become more so actually in COVID time. What I wanted to talk about is how different groups of voters aren't eligible in each state. So one of the reasons why turnout is so low is because often lots of people are excluded from voting. And in California, it's 20% of voters aren't eligible to vote. Are you talking about the wonderful large population that is people that have felony convictions? I think so. And, and okay. this, is not, this is not a UK thing, is it, Steve? I can't think of anything in the UK which applies to this. No, I, it very much does seem to be a very American-centric um, way of looking at things and doing things. I mean, I know that there's been some news made recently in, in I think it was Florida, it was certainly one of like the, the, the battleground states where um, some changes have come in in some capacity which have allowed certain numbers of inmates to, to be able to vote and things like that. And obviously a lot of that made people go, oh my God, this helps Biden. And I'm not aware of anything can like in, 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 in the UK that comes anywhere close to this kind of this sort of policy oh it was the bloomberg wasn't it michael bloomberg paid off a lot of fines yeah that might have been what it was so that was the bright spot that was 2018 for democrats in florida when they barely lost they you know they ben nelson lost and also andrew gillum lost by small one they were able to appeal amendment four in their in the state constitution that prohibited anybody that had a felony from ever voting again but what the Republicans then did, because they controlled the various state levers of state government and said that you can't register to vote until you pay off all of your fines, which so 1.4 million people was was the number that was supposed to be able to go vote. And then uh, they then said, you know, all these back pays and stuff, that's how they got around it. Yeah, you can do it, but I got to have you pay off because that was due. And so Bloomberg came in. But ironically, New York is one of the New York is a is if you finish parole or off probation you are allowed to vote so new york is new york has been has had that law for a while and a lot of states are finally are finally starting to file file suit that you know that this a lot of these felony convictions are dropping one virginia did it but a lot of them are expunging records are required so they have to have a clean record so you'll see a lot of people that that's what michigan did the clean slate laws is what i have a question for you do prisoners get to vote in uk law in uk elections Oh, that's a, a, a has been a, a hotly contested debate um, for the past few years. Summed up, some do, not all of them. I know it was some. I think it was the European Court of Human Rights basically had a big back and forth with would have been under the coalition and like David Cameron. I would have thought maybe going into Theresa May as to what are kind of rules for if you are in prison, whether or not you can vote. I think we did have a kind of a blanket rule that you couldn't, but that was deemed to be inadmissible by the ECHR. And therefore we needed to allow some of them 
to to be able to vote. Like I can't remember actually what the what the changes were. Well, I know I certainly know that some suggestions at the time were, hey, why don't we just make it that if you are going to be released in the year of that election, you get to vote. Not a lot of prisoners can vote, but certainly once you're out, like, I'm not aware of any restrictions. I don't think any prisoners can vote at the moment. Uh, there certainly was supposed to be something that was uh, happening on it because we were the only country the UK was the only country that had a blanket ban on prisoners voting but I yeah. think we still have a blanket ban in place that's so interesting to me whereas prisoners on remand can Guardian 2017 7th, 7th of December Council of Europe accepts UK compromise on prisoner voting rights Due to allow a small number of prisoners to vote brings an end to a 12-year standoff between Strasbourg and London. So the government intended to implement them by the end of 2018, but has the government actually implemented them? I mean, we have been... I do not know. Uh, they don't seem to understand what the rule of law is, so I'm genuinely shocked if they actually did. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is... A case, very true. It's interesting. Um, we ought to actually look it up. But the, the, that's the... From a UK context, the interesting thing is, so we do have a an electoral commission, which is meant to set a lot of the rules. It does actually set all the rules, but the Conservatives quite like undermining that. I think they, they see it as launching persecutions against people like Darren Grimes, who you might be aware of. They see it as being yeah. politically motivated, I think, especially Tory party that uh, that sees a lot of the kind of quango class as some unelected, bureaucratic, elitist nonsense. Um, they don't really like the Electoral Commission. Um, have an Electoral Commission with actual teeth would be amazing. The FEC does not have teeth at all. So, Steve, since you said you're not super familiar, do you, what are your questions on how we do things in this country in terms of voting that you want answered? Why do you have such long lines compared to everywhere else in the world? That's the defining image every time there's an election. It's like there's always queue after queue after queue after queue after queue. But anyway, everywhere else there tends to be an election, unless it's like, Afghanistan or Iraq and it's the first time they've had to, a chance to vote in god knows how long you never see lines like that like I think the longest I've had to queue up for a for, for, for a vote in the UK is like five minutes and that was unusual I cannot believe oh. that the Brit has asked the American a question about queuing about queuing doesn't fit my stereotypes there's not a long queue uh, for me to vote because I also like can kind of go when I see there's not a lot of cars in the parking lot, but I'm also in a rather small area and it really all depends on how many voting locations you have for an area. So in, in New York, it's usually, it can be by precinct, so by voting precinct. And so they have one scattered across, but it's another example of where like electoral officials and in and, and different counties can decide whether they want to open up multiple voting areas, either the, if the state law allows them to or they feel that, you know, they don't uh, want to do that. But a lot of it comes the COVID ones are going to be super longer because they have to have spacing as much as possible in, in these places. So it also depends on and this is something probably would be foreign to you guys, but we don't vote for just one an election isn't just for one position. It is everything that comes up there. So you will see from federal level down to local level on it. Someone said that they got their vote by mail ballot from California and they have votes on everything. It was two and a half pages front and back, 
with what their ballot was. So they said that in some of these places, they're, they're super detailed and what they have to, you know, there's a lot of that they have to vote on that it can take about 15 minutes to get through the whole thing if you don't know exactly what you're doing. And some people will leave blank. But generally speaking, it is that they don't have enough voting machines or they don't have enough staff, which is a lot of the reasons. But also a lot of it is just they don't have the, they, they should have multiple locations open with extended hours in multiple days to be able to, to accommodate it. They just don't. They're, they're limited locations in a lot of these places that they centralized out because they're not given the right money to run elections or whatever it is. Or poll workers is another example. You got to find somebody that wants to sit for 12 hours and it usually tends to be older or retired people who are scared because they're at a risk class of the COVID so that lines are even going to be longer. But yeah, it's usually down to limited locations, limited voting machines, and just not enough staff to, to run this one when they should have, you know, multiple, multiple locations open in a city or a town that you could vote. If I had my way, you would just present yourself anywhere in the county, tell you where it was. They print out your ballot, which was to do anyway now in New York, and you could vote anywhere that you are, and they just find your ballot and they send it off to the proper county that it goes to. But people don't like my ideas because it's too revolutionary. <laughs> there are some states like Virginia is only open until 7.30 Eastern. So a lot of people end up coming after work that one. So you have these long lines of people waiting to vote because they only had, they had to go to work in the morning and they finally got off at five. And now they're sitting on a slime front of everyone because you have decided that 7.30 is your closing time for polls. So in the UK, um, if you're, so polls close at 10 and if you're in the queue for the polling station at 10 o'clock even if you haven't voted you can still vote is that the same in virginia so if you were if it was half yeah. seven and you're in the queue you'd be able to vote or yes other thing that comes along the way with that is sometimes if there has been a voting malfunction problem and this happened in some primary in the primaries is that if they're i don't know the wrong ballots were brought to a place so they people had to queue a lot longer they had to come back and vote and stuff there is tend to be fined in places where they then have to bring court orders that day to extend voting or an injunction to well, Virginia, as example, they had to told by a judge that they had to extend their uh, voter registration by 48 hours because uh, somebody cut a fiber optic cable that cut off internet access to their data center. So, and it was the day, the last day to, to register to vote in Virginia. A lot of it comes down to court laws, but most of them, yeah, if you're in line by time polls close, you are allowed to vote. But also there's very different voting machines in this country that how people vote. That's another thing that could take for longer. And probably not worth talking about voting machines, though, is it? Because I'm not sure malfunctioning voting machines will ever decide a presidential race. So no, no, absolutely not. Never going to be involved in anything. So on going back to UK prisoner voting. So there's the there's a House of Commons research briefing from this year. And in the in England, no prisoner can vote. But and actually, this is sort of going back on the point I've been making all episode, but also it also illustrates a quite pressing issue in UK politics, which is the fact that we're not going to have a UK anymore because it's all going to break up. Wales and Scotland have different rules. So in Scotland, the Scottish government introduced legislation. They had a consultation last year and they passed a bill in February this year um, to extend voting rights to prisoners who are serving sentences of 12 months or less for Scottish parliamentary and local elections. So I'm guessing the Scottish elections next year with the first time prisoners will be able to vote and the welsh government has also consulted there's a bill going through at the moment and they're hoping i think to give so if that's passed 
that would allow prisoners which have been sentenced to less than four years to register to vote in time for scheduled elections in 2022. It is a kind of interesting process in UK politics. You've got the, the denigration of the electoral commission, but you've also got Wales and Scotland going their own way. And, and you've seen that over coronavirus as well, aren't you? I, I th- was it this week? We, we, we now can't visit Wales. Yeah, Wales is basically shut down for, for the English. If you show your Labour card, do you think they'll lie across the border? No. <laughs> you have to know the rules in each state, whether you need a voter register, when to vote, when to, uh, how to vote, whether you need a voter, whether you need ID to vote, make sure that your voter registration is up to date, that at the location that you're going to vote at, whether you can vote by mail, you know, what are your times? And this is all things that should not be done in, in a modern democracy, but currently that's how it works. So uh, if any Americans listen to it, what's your plan to vote? Make sure that you have a plan to vote for this election because there's a lot of complicated things that you need to keep taking account depending on what state you live in. And that is uh, not great. Voting should be made quick and easy. Something else that's quick and easy Correct. is... Would that be heading over to our Patreon, though, by any chance? It would, wouldn't it? Because it's not, it doesn't take that long, does it, to organise supporting your friendly neighbourhood podcast? It does not at all. You can head over to patreon.com slash not enough champagne, throw us a few quid every month, and you'll gain access to unique episodes that we record just for our backers over there, um, as well as early access to blog posts. And th- our website is notenoughchampagne.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash notenoughchampagne. Our Twitter handle is at no champagne. James Cram designed our logo. You can follow him on Twitter at James Cram and Dave Depper composed our theme tune. Plucky good times. I'm at Twitter on Paperback Rioter. I'm at Acoustic Radical. I am at PCook11. Happy voting. Happy voting.